This week on the Recruitment Flex, is RecFest coming to Nashville, Tennessee? Does being attractive give you a leg up with recruiters and hiring managers? Is a non-compete agreement finally going away? And if you need a newly invented HR term, we've got you covered as we bring to light career cushioning. The Recruitment Flex starts right after this message from our friends at RecTex. Shelly, let's face it. Texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And mm. it's not even legally compliant. Mm, this is where our friends at Rectex come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters. So you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Another week, Shelly. How are you doing? Here we are. I'm doing great. Serge, it is probably the busiest week of the year. Oh my God. Everybody's back from holidays. They're like, I need my jobs posted. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Now that you're saying that, because I came back last week and there was still a lot of people on vacation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's true. That's why I'm so busy. I didn't even put that in context. I know I've worked every night till about seven, which I don't like doing. I have to admit, one of the things I really pride myself on being work from home, having boundaries to say, I stop working at five. I just stop, which is not easy. But this week, there's a lot of exciting things happening. Yeah. Exciting happening in your world. Oh, there's tons of exciting things going on. Like you just mentioned, it's really busy. A lot of people are coming into New Year being like, yeah, we got to get in front of job seekers. We got to advertise. We got to fill these jobs. But what I do love is there's a reinvigorated energy that's out there. People want to know more, learn more, do more, have a really good year. That will probably weigh in by February. Next week. Yeah, next week. Exactly. (laughs) When reality hits. Like it was all very lofty. But yeah. And what about personally? What's going on? The kids are going back to school and then it's all the different classes have started too because Mallory's got indoor soccer. She's got art and swimming. So it's like nonstop, which I like. The more activities, the better, especially at this age, making friends and all that fun stuff. And selfishly, it's a lot easier for me to get them to sleep at night if I can get their energy spent. (laughs) Because it's a challenge because every night I have a routine. I read the twins like two books each. So it's four books. And then I stay in bed with them until they fall asleep. That's such a fun age. Oh my gosh. That's wonderful. Such a fun age. One of the things that started the year is we look at finances. And you sent me a note about ZipRecruiter and your investments in stocks. You're like, shit, I am getting out of this. But what happened with ZipRecruiter? Well, I had such high hopes. And it's not like it's half my portfolio. This is kind of my fun money. But we saw it at its peak, I think, went to 26 in the last 12 months. But it just doesn't seem 
to be doing anything. And I can't figure out why. Like I had such high hopes for it because we do business with them. Like I understand their business model. Certainly in 2022 of all years, I was expecting the stock to like double because it was an incredible year for hiring. It was that once in a blue moon type of year for recruitment. Now that we're heading into a bit of a downer quarter, like Jesus, everywhere I go, people are like doom and gloom. You know, the stock is still, it's flat, right? I'm just so disappointed. <laughs> I would not sell well, now. Honey, I've had it for a year and a half. I you think I'd wait to go down. And when it's at this lowest, I would buy more because I do think zip recruiter is going to be a player for a long time, right? I did earlier in the year. I did yeah. because I mean, we were living it, man. What was happening? Hiring was just crazy. And so when the stock dropped, I bought some more. Yeah. Okay. So you think I should hold? I think you should hold. I think it's going to be a tough year. I'm really curious to see what their Q4 numbers are going to be because I was really shocked by their Q3 numbers. They showed only 7 or 8% growth. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. in this marketplace shocking. last year is shocking, right? If you compare it to Indeed's almost 40%. But just seeing the other job boards in the market, even lowly job boards are still seeing some growth. There's really no competition to Indeed. Eventually someone's going to pop up. So maybe it's it, but I I get your concerns. They are still very much struggling in the enterprise space. And I don't see that turning around, especially when you listen to their commercials, which are targeted to small SMB so, yeah, owners yeah, yeah. being like, just use us and you're going to get tons of candidates. I'm like, yeah, that's full of shit. It's insulting to talent acquisition and HR people. And I think it's hurting them in the enterprise space. But I might be overthinking that, but no, I no, get insulted you're absolutely by it. Right. Their commercials are, you know, guaranteed to get a quality candidate. We've heard it a hundred times, which is the case, not volume, but at least one quality candidate. And so that is true. And especially if you are a company of 15 people and you need yeah. to hire one person. It is ideal because it's so easy. And you're right because our hiring managers are hearing these commercials thinking it applies to enterprise and it doesn't. And yes, they have the cost per applicant model. Their conversion rates are great. It is better quality sometimes, but you know, on a enterprise wide to tell your entire recruitment team, they now need to log into a separate system and manage candidates only on their platform. It's just not going to fly. You can't. No, you know? it's very challenging. But you can still leverage ZipRecruiter as you would any job boards of sending the candidates to your ATS. Well, but the difference in candidate interaction is day and night. Yeah, okay. Day and night. Yes, of course, you can have them do the quick apply or whatever and go directly to your applicant tracking system. But your numbers drop like a rock. Well, similar you're, to Indeed, right? The numbers yeah. between Indeed's direct apply or sending them to your career site are dramatically different. And that's kind of on purpose with Indeed, because if your site is not mobile friendly, they don't give you mobile candidates, which is probably the same for Zip is my assumption. But enough about Zip. So last week, Jamie Leonard from Wreckfest Group, I forget what the holding company is, posted a very cryptic message with what looks like coordinates. I took the numbers and put it on Google and it came back Nashville. What's your thoughts? Do you think I'm just like being super spy, inspector gadget here and trying to figure this out? 
Yeah. So uh, Jamie did that on Saturday and I saw it and I guess I'm not as smart as you, Serge, because I was going to message him directly and go, did your toddler get a hold of your phone? (laughs) Honestly, that was my first thought was that a toddler got a hold of his phone and put a little gobbledygook in there. You had the brilliance to put it into Google Maps and realize it was coordinates. So yes, there has been lots of work and discussion and I am on the advisory group for RecFast and their full intention was to come to the US. So I'm thrilled. I don't have any more details. We'll have to bring Jamie on the show. Yes. And, and grill him. Let's find get out. on that because I want to okay. know and I want to try to figure out what my traveling schedule is going to look like this year because if it's going to Nashville... You're going to see me there with my cowboy boots and cowboy hat. Love country music. Love Nashville. I think it'd be a blast. So hope it happens. Okay. Yes. What do you think about us hosting one of the stages? Of course. Would you be up for that? Yeah. Well, then realize you don't really get to enjoy the festival. You're down for that? I'm down. I'm down for anything. All right. All right. Let's get Jamie on the show. Yeah. Okay. So every week, what we're going to do is kind of give you a tip or something that we're seeing. I wanted to call it just a tip, but Shelly nixed that. So basically this week, what I want to talk about, because (laughs) (laughs) it came in play with one of my clients that was struggling with their job ads and the type of role they were hiring, the background of most of them are female, don't want to generalize, but their job was so heavily focus on male keywords that when I put that job ad into the gender decoder, which is a free tool, it came back overwhelmingly male dominated. When we made the switch, made a big difference in the results of the clients. If you haven't used this tool, the link is going to be in our show notes and also on our LinkedIn page. Please do check it out. All you have to do is copy and paste your job ad into this decoder and it gives you a quick report of why it's male or female or if it's split in between. I advise everyone to use it. Yeah. We get into a pattern. We've always just posted this job description. Yeah. This is a great step to taking a job description and making it a job ad. And then after that, drop it into chat GPT and ask it to write something that actually sounds appealing. Are you in love with ChatGPT? I am so in love. I have used it so many times this week. Honest to God, I keep the a tab open with ChatGTP all day. So what's your thoughts about Microsoft putting a several billion dollar investment to leverage it for Bing? I thought that I, was fascinating. Yeah, there was certainly no cement on their feet. Holy smokes. Like it was only released. It was like December. Yeah. And by the end of December, Microsoft gave them a billion dollars just to use their open open AI sourcing or not sourcing. Sorry, for the correct terminology is here. Help me out. Jump in anytime, Serge. Don't just sit there and let me flounder for God's sake. Just fucking say something. No, I'm just I'm just going to look at you and just keep digging. <laughs> Shake <deeper>. your head. <laughs> but yes, I did hear that Microsoft paid a billion dollars to put it in Bing, which just makes sense because Bing is the most old, tired I mean, have you used Bing in the last 10 years? No, I don't think I've ever used Bing. I might have used that. That was the default, but I probably Googled anyways. This is a real threat to Google. Let's not go too deep into it, but I think it's a real threat. Yep. And you know what's frustrating me is 
a month after, I'm still shocked that the majority of people have no clue what I'm talking about when I say chat GPT. I don't think people realize how big a game changer is. And one quote that I heard, and I think it makes a lot of sense, is AI is not going to replace humans. People that know how to use AI are going to replace people that don't know how to use AI. I think that's what we're going to see in the world of work. Do you know they were talking about it even on News Talk Radio? It was on their news feed where the announcer on the radio said that everything I've said up to this point was written by chat GTP. He went to it and said, write me a radio statement or radio article that talks about what is chat GTP and how it works. People will start to get on board here for sure. Well, and people happening out in the world there search what. What else is going on here? Well, we talk about layoffs and I don't want to talk about it too much. There's a couple a of, eh, it's a downer. There's a couple of big layoffs. <laughs> Amazon acts 18,000 jobs. So that's around 1.2% of their global workforce. I didn't know they employed 1.5 million people globally. Wow. That's yeah. Massive. So 18,000 is really not a lot of people <laughs> when they've got 1.5 million. Really? Well, it is 18,000 people. That's a lot of jobs. I know in the context of how many employees they have. And yeah. then Salesforce, similar cut around 8,000 people from their workforce, which was obviously a bigger proportion of their total workforce. So we're still seeing layoffs out there. And according to many sources that I've heard, there's a lot more coming. Let's not put the fear in there, but it's going to be a wild ride in 2023. Let's see how it plays out. Yep. Do you want to jump into the recruitment insights? Yeah, let's do that. So reading our friends Hung Lee's Recruiting Brain Food this week, he had a very mm-hmm. interesting article that talked about attractive females no longer getting higher grades when the classes were moved online. And the first thing I thought was, oh my God, there is tons of implications for recruitment. Implications is probably the wrong word, actually. This has been happening in recruitment since people started getting jobs. I'm going to read through a little bit of this. This was done by psychologist Think Tank. What they found is the new findings suggest that attractive students earn higher grades in school. But for female students, this beauty premium disappears when classes are thought remotely. A large body of research suggests that physical appearance has an impact on a person's success. For example, attractive people tend to earn more money and report higher life satisfaction than less attractive people. They took a pretty good sample size that they came to this conclusion. What was interesting in this is we saw a difference in females but we didn't see a difference in attractive male. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to think without generalizing or saying anything stupid, why that is the case. I think it's both for female and male. If you are attractive, you're going to to have advantages in life that non-attractive people don't have. Let's put that in perspective when it comes to work. You've said this many times on the podcast. You've interviewed tens of thousands of people. I have not interviewed as much. But I was going back to my days when I was a hiring manager in retail. And I have an admission here, Shelly. I have Uh hired people Uh based on how good looking they are, especially in situations that the candidates were very evenly matched. 
And that was the differentiator. You all remember the Netflix documentary on oh, what's the what's Abercrombie. The, Abercrombie. Abercrombie? Yes, exactly. And that's yeah. exactly what they were doing, but they had the physical policy written down, which is a little bit different. There is bias and discrimination against non-attractive people compared to attractive people when it comes to getting hired. And I think this happens a lot more than we would ever admit. And I think if we brought in 100 recruiters here, only 10% would admit that they've made hiring decisions or put candidates forward because they were better looking, even if it was an unconscious bias. I think it happens to this day. So I've said a lot there. Shelly, am I completely out to lunch? No, I think this has always been the case. Long before being online versus in person, it's been a fact of life since the beginning of time. Whether it's retail or students or getting hired, whether it's Abercrombie or even KFC and McDonald's, it is true that someone who is well-groomed, I think that is probably more of a factor is someone who is just simply well-groomed, put together, cared enough. Because I think the interpretation is that if you care about your appearance, then you'll care about our customers. Um, What's interesting about this though, that I'm still trying to noodle around is the fact that classes going online had no effect on male students, like none. That just conjured up a whole different set of thoughts around why would there be such a distinct difference? What do you infer from the fact that this had no impact on the male student population? Oh, I might need to cut this after, but here is what... (laughs) Okay. Here's what I thought about. I think I know what you're going to say, because I was thinking it too. So. Well, you say it first. You say it. You okay. say it. When you're in person and someone is turning on the charm, it is a natural human thing to do. And I have an interaction with you. If it's a male professor, which they did not specify in no. this, but if it's a male professor or a male individual who's maybe doing the grading, which it usually is, it's usually a professor's assistant, they think they got a chance. Like, I'm serious, right? It is leveraging your gender to your advantage. Yeah. Is that what you were going to say? Yes, that's one factor. I think there's a difference between male and female attractiveness and how we perceive it. If you're an attractive female, doesn't matter the type of job that you have, you are going to get suitors, right? Like in dating, they don't care. Like you work at KFC or you're the CEO of a company, dude. Don't care. If you're good looking, you're good looking. Attractive women get advantages in society that they might not realize is that everything is just a little bit easier. As a male, being good looking gives you advantages, but not the same advantages as a female. And what I mean by that, if you're a good looking man and you don't have a career, you don't have a job, you're a bum you are not going to attract many female suitors. doesn't matter how good looking, maybe for one night, but not in the long term, right? I think where we're both going to agree is there's clearly an advantage for attractive women. Absolutely. Won't disagree. What's interesting though, is when they went to online classes, I think that the element that's missing is that when you are in person, there is that charm. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what else to call it. And take that away where there's a screen between you. It didn't affect male students, but it had a big effect on female students. 
Yes. Yeah. Anyway. And to your earlier point, though, I'll leave it at this. Men like being around attractive women, even if they have never a shot, it could never happen. It's still normal male behavior. It is. It is. If you look at CEOs out in the world, go look at the CEO at large corporations. They're usually not unattractive males or females, but let's focus on male side. But let's think about the advantage. The average CEO is six foot two. Yes. I and six foot two, yeah. men that are six foot two and above, it's less than yeah. 2% of our population. It's 90% like, of CEOs. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. I'm never going to be a CEO, Shelly. But anyways, let's jump into the next insight. I know we talked about this probably four or five months ago, about the whole use of non-compete agreements in an employment contract. And I know we concluded here that in Canada, it's pretty useless. There's really no laws that we could ever find or see where it's really enforceable, preventing someone from going to work at a competitor. Now, preventing someone from taking trade secrets or customers, different ballgame. In the US, they have finally moved to bar non-compete agreements in labor contracts. What was interesting is agreements such as these applied to such a wide range of workers. Imagine being a sandwich maker or a hairstylist or a doctor or a software engineer. It was actually part of your employment agreement that you couldn't go work at a similar company or start up a company in a similar industry than what your current employer is, which I mean, hallelujah, that yeah. is the most ridiculous law or even allowing this to be part of an employment agreement. I really applaud making this change and banning all non-compete agreements. What are your thoughts, Serge? Well, I think the biggest challenge here is if you look at the original intent of the law, it was very specific cases of People with very innate knowledge of the organization, if they move to a competitor, it protects the organization in some ways. But what's happened is employers have taken the non-compete and weaponized it as a retention strategy. Most companies know that it's not really enforceable, but why do they still put it into employment agreements? Even here in Canada, I would say... 80% of white collar jobs have some type of non-compete in there. Everyone knows it's not enforceable, except the employee. The employees don't always know this is very much a scare tactic that, hey, I cannot leave to go to this competitor because they are going to enforce a non-compete, not knowing the law, not knowing it's non-enforceable. It scares people. And that's the only intent of it, really. Like you said, sandwich makers, like really a non-compete? And it's so not fair because it limits career potential. It limits That's earnings. Bad. And when we talk about pay transparency and pay gaps, this is a big driver downward of pay. You could get more if you have more options, especially in an area that you're very trained, you have a lot of knowledge and you eliminate your competitor. Now you have to go work in a completely different industry, which really drops your potential pay. It does. That's what this article went on to say as well. Totally supports where you're going there saying economists believe that this really explains why pay for middle income workers has been flat for decades. Do you yeah, know what the can. counterpoint that they put in there, why it should stay the same? Employers are going to be more willing to invest in training of their employees 
oh, if they have a non-compete. Yeah. Isn't that bullshit? The second one <laughs> is if there's no non-compete, they're not going to share confidential information to employees. And this Which is all bullshit. Should. You never should. Well, if it, it's confidential. It, it, it depends what you classify, right? And the first point, there's a cartoon or a meme where they say, well, we can't afford to pay training because what happens if they leave? Well, if we don't pay for training, what happens if they stay? They stay. <laughs> yeah. Again, the constant whining and moaning about skills gap in the workforce. Really? Come on. Yes. Um, well, talking about yeah. skills gap, let's jump into the yeah. next recruitment insight. Yeah, please. This is so interesting. Oh my God, Serge, you lead this one off. We've talked about this several times, but we haven't really broken down what the reality of Gen Z going into blue collar work. There is research that I thought really gave us some insights of how scary this is. Mm. This was done by Handshake. If you haven't heard of Handshake, Handshake is a very big job site focused. Number one in the US. Number one in the U.S., focus on campus, new grads, new students. So a very reputable source. What they saw is a drop of 49% in 2022 if we compare it to 2020 when it comes to young people seeking technical jobs like plumbing, building, electrical work. That's a big drop. Their average for those jobs used to be 10 applicants per job, and it's dropped to five. Give you an idea on other jobs, the average is 19. We are going to be in a very, very tough position. And then I went into the chat of that particular article and it had a lot of people that were in trades or young people. And the overwhelming message out there is, yes, you get paid well, but most of these companies, you can't get health benefits, which, all right, that's interesting. Being in Canada, we never really understand the impact of that. But also the toll that it takes on your body over the years is pretty dramatic. And I would make the argument that sitting at a desk every day is probably not good for your body too. But young people are like, well, I can make as much money by learning to be a software developer. I don't need to go outside. These jobs are not attractive right now. And I guess what I'm saying here, Shelly, is what do we do? So this is an American study. I'd love to find something similar to talk about the Canadian side because- It's got to be very similar, right? Well, no. The very point that you made, though, Serge, is so important to understand, and that is no health benefits. Yeah. Whereas in Canada, that issue is off the table because you're absolutely right. It's a very physically demanding job. And call it a younger workers kind of ideal because there will come a time, even in my own family, my nephew, he did windows, like window installation. He loved it, but he hurt his back and he can never do that again. He can't do a physically demanding labor job anymore. Now, there's all kinds of resources here in Canada, but I think this is very much a US based and absolutely summarizes why not having universal health care is coming full circle because there's no way to fix this. There's no technology coming up that's going to come to your house and fix your toilet or rewire your house. It requires a human being to do it. I get where you're going with it. But also, if you look at the stats, like Europe, who has a very big social safety net in Canada, we're struggling heavily in hiring those same roles. Maybe not the extent of the US, but I think... Yeah, yeah. I think it's also a youth issue. And immigration is part of the solution. 
young and willing to work is what all countries are looking for, right? Our birth rate is so low. That's the real issue, not the attraction into blue collar workers. It's a fact that our population is an aging demographic. Shelly, you gave me a new term. I don't want to talk a lot about it, but all these new HR terms are driving me insane. And you introduced me to a new one. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you, Shelly? So tell me what it I'm is. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Okay. Just one last piece. Career cushioning. This is a new HR phrase, newly coined, newly minted. You heard it here first. That is what is currently being coined where you've got a plan B. I don't think there's anything new about it. We just didn't call it career cushioning. But I think these last two years, and certainly with the pending layoffs and people getting nervous, nobody wants to wait for the other shoe to drop. And get this, I don't know where they got these numbers, but according to a Google trend, search terms around career cushioning have increased by 5,000% in the last 12 months. I don't even know what that means. This means having a plan B. I'm not going to wait for my employer because what we talked about at the end of the year was stability, employment, stability, that sort of thing. If you're not with an employer that's stable, people are now maybe getting a side hustle, side job. They're getting ready to make a move, which lines up with you know what we talked about as well. How many people are looking for work? You should always have a plan B. Shelly, another great episode. I hope you have a great weekend. And for everyone listening, don't forget, go to your favorite podcast player and please leave a review. I'm not going to say good or bad. Just leave a review of how you really feel. We really appreciate it. It helps in people finding our podcast. Thank you, Shelly. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Serge. Bye now. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.